Growing and scaling a business is complex. It can be very scary and lonely trying to navigate it all. It comes down to the community of trusted people you surround yourself with. Let's dive in to the Business is People podcast. Welcome back to another episode here, guys, at Business is People. And it really comes down to awesome people that you surround yourself and you get to know to help grow and scale your business, no matter what life cycle you're in. And I'm super excited to have John here. John and I have been chatting on and off over the last year. John Vong is the CEO of Local SEO Search, and he's actually based out of Toronto. So representing Canada, I mean, we're actually in the Olympics right now. So like, you know, the Canadians are doing pretty well during these times. So welcome to the show, John. Well, thanks a lot, Tom. <laughs> I'm excited. Yes, Canadians are shining and it's a great way. Like sport, people don't understand how long dedication, time, commitment it takes to get on that world stage, right? So understanding perspective, like what it takes to be a business owner, athletes the same. So just to get into your mindset, I mean, I see all these books behind you, you know, and reading and just learning, constantly learning as a leader, but even as an owner, you constantly have to be learning. And I think you and I mentioned something earlier, we're talking about family, you're saying like, you know, it's good to have kids exposed to different things. And same thing with people and leaders and books. So how did you go about like, reading all these books, but being also disciplined to read all these books. <laughs> so reading has always been something that it's weird. When I was younger, one of my jobs in high school was I was working at the library for five years, shelving books. I was not an avid reader at that time, but I think literally I was exposed to a lot of books. I didn't read at that time a lot, but it gave me a good foundation because when I got my first job, not only did I enjoy wanting to be excellent in sales, I wanted to absorb from the greatest. So I started seeking out books of people that lived it, 20, 30 years of experience, then put that experience in a book, summarized it, and I was able to pull nuggets out of it to utilize it for my own personal experience. So I learned early that reading was going to give me an edge on my not internal you know, competition in sales, but also achieve whatever I wanted to achieve in my success, right? Whatever that meant to me personally. And I mean, you have all these books. How many books do you have and how many have you read? <laughs> so I probably have thousands of books. Upstairs, there's bookshelves as well. I probably read thousands. The last five years, I've been in a mission. Well, not, not really like, I, I enjoy reading. So instead of me watching YouTube, Netflix, social media, engulfing all that, I actually want to learn from people that I have interest in hobbies, like I have interest in investing in real estate and bucket list travel and health, which now I'm a biohacker and I'm learning about like <laughs> business and funnels and, you know, sales operations and accounting, all this stuff that I'm interested in. So then I start reading and absorbing and trying to figure out like who is experts in their own right that I can gain insights from. So therefore I buy books, I read one to two a week and I take notes all the time and I try to utilize what I learn slowly because you can't utilize everything that you learn and use it for your own life, right? And hopefully that gives you a leg up in all aspects of life. I mean, I think everyone knows to some degree, like, yeah, constantly learning, constantly reading. We hear it all the time, but it's hard to do. Like, I mean, I own a few books back here. I mean, you're, you're totally embarrassing me here, but I have certain books that I like. I'm a big audio guy. So I do a lot of listening on 
audible, but then I'll read it too. Cause I think that tangible, yeah. but sometimes I have to reread it. You know, every time I go back and read something again, based, I guess, where I am in my life too, it resonates with me differently. Yes. Has that ever happened to you? And then give me an example of like what takeaways and what book that came from. Definitely. So one of my first books was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And I read that when I was in university, my brother gave it to me. I read it again when I was working first job. I read it probably 10 times since. And I just read it a couple of weeks ago again. And everything kind of sinks in differently depending on where you're at in the stage of your life. And then you can pull nuggets of, wow, I actually, a majority of what he said, and it kind of stuck with me, just like Dale Carnegie, right? And I, I know there's a lot of books on that. And Napoleon Hill, everything resonates based on where you're at in your life, like habits and lifespan and health. And you're going to utilize it and read it differently. So I used to listen a lot, but I found that it wasn't retaining as optimally because I was working out and I couldn't take notes, right? So now that I read, I can take notes and jot things down and then look at summary and then utilizing it for my own life. It's just how people operate. And I think I'm different than you and everyone else. So you just have to figure out what works for you. And I kind of want to segue a little bit more about also what you do in your company. I know we kind of got down to the book stuff, but I, I think the book stuff relates to a lot of people, John, but you know, you must read a lot about SEO. And I mean, I started as an SEO agency myself and evolved to now being like a demand gen agency and, you know, tell us a little bit about your organization, how the whole thing started. Yeah. So I started this company back in 2013. I used to work in a very similar space, like yellow pages, sales rep. I was there for five years. Saw that a lot of people, business owners were just frustrated. User behavior was shifting to digital and they were spending more than ever getting poor ROI. So I knew there was a better solution and outcome. I saw a lot of paid ads at yellow pages, but not a good return on investment and people were canceling. So I knew there was another optimal space, which is the SEO owning real estate. Therefore, I shifted to really just offering that up and understanding how it worked. So my biggest transition was not sales because I was selling right off the bat. I got like 10, 20, 30 clients right off the bat. But the challenge was now I had to deliver on that. Building a team, building system processes, putting all the pillars in place, like learning everything took years to refine. And that's still growing, right? And learning and making mistakes. So it's an evolution of every business, just trying to get better. So that's what I've kind of been doing for the last eight years. There's actually here locally, another SEO company who started and I gave him some advisement and some tips. So people who are looking to be in this path are looking to, to get into digital marketing or start an SEO agency. Like what are some tips if people are looking to start into this industry that you can share? Yeah. So you got to figure out like if this is right for you first off, right? Like business ownership and entrepreneurship is different than a nine to five job. So you need to have clarity and intent on wanting to make this work. And it depends on your life stage. Like is your situation ready for what is going to, you know, demand of you? Because you're going to spend a lot of time figuring out if it's right for you or not. So, you know, is digital marketing comes in all different aspects, right? I, I worked in performance-based affiliate online. 
I was a biz dev manager. I understood like contextual ads, banner ads, you know, behavioral email funnels and drip campaigns, all that stuff. Understanding all that and then really pin it all to look, what aspect do you think you're good at that you can retain customers, get customers to buy on a retention base to have recurring revenue making sure that it's sustainable as well. So not only is there a lot of factors, and I think ultimately it's like, what are you good at? Do you enjoy doing? And what fits your personality? Because as you evolve as a business owner, you're going to change your roles, right? From like starting and doing it, like you're in your business, doing all the activities, all the aspects, to then working on the business and then figuring out what your strengths and what you actually enjoy doing. And if you're a leader or not, will be dependent on, you know, do you want to evolve and grow to become a leader or not, right? Yeah, because some people can be really technical and have really good skill sets, but they might not have the right build to be a manager or a leader, which is not a bad thing. Like every person has a purpose, you yes. know, in, in the business to help it grow. It, it, it takes a team. I mean, it's really tough to scale with just yourself. And I remember doing this when I first started and then I hired my first full-time person. And then the next one, you know, before I know it, we got like 20 plus people, but just having a big company should not be the reason, right? Everything has to make sense aligning with your goals. We talked about outcomes you know, offline, right, John? So like if you get into business, you know, you leaders here listening to this episode. And even if you're looking, if you're an entrepreneur, what reasons did you get into doing what you're doing? Yeah. So I was at a pivotal point in my life, you know, early thirties, just got married, just moved to a new city, bought a new home and I was leaving a six figure job. So I was doing okay. Right. Like 1% of sales, very similar to you. Like I knew I could sell 10 years of learning that art. And then my wife was like supportive of whatever decision I was leaving yellow pages. I was committed on that. I needed you. I wanted to either work at another company like Facebook or Amazon or something big, right? Tech or Google or whatever, or try something. And I've always wanted to have my own business, right? Like I was like, okay, pivotal time made me want to start this, right? And not only that, my wife was supportive. She had a stable income. She knew she could cover mortgage. And, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I have stability. I have comfort. Someone trusts me. Now my job is to ensure that I don't break that trust. So my commitment was give it all, work hard, work crazy hours to learn as much as I can so I don't disappoint my wife, right? So, and then, you know, then you learn about business and you make a lot of mistakes. You hire a lot of people, you fire a lot of people. You, you know, it's throughout that whole journey is constant growth, constant struggle, constant decision. And you learn always. So I want to touch upon, you know, you talked about your wife, how important that is. And that was really important for myself too, you know, having, if, if you are married, right? Like some entrepreneurs are, are, not, are not, they're single. So having that trusted person, if it's a partner, mentor, spouse, like how did that, if you don't mind getting into a little bit, some details, if you're open to share this, John, like what was that conversation like? Because I think people are afraid to share that, you know, some people might say, are you an idiot? Why are you doing this? So like, what was that conversation like? And what are some areas of advice that you can share if there's some pushback saying like, I don't think you should do this, not a good time. So I'm very fortunate to have a <laughs> wife that understands when I was happy or not happy. So while working, even though I was earning okay money, it was like, I was not happy at my job. Right. And 
she knew I had more in myself to bring happiness. And in a relationship, people can read you, right? They understand what you're all about, what your goals and visions and values are all about. And if they're not in alignment, and you're out of place, right? So you're going to discover and find that. I just didn't find my calling at that stage until I started something that I can then own and be passionate about. And she's never met someone as passionate in whatever I did. So I was like, look, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make it work. I was very positive and then I failed and I kept going and I failed and I kept going. But she was always trying to be there to pick me up because she understood that my happiness is what it's all about, right? Supporting someone else and their dreams and aspirations. So that's what a strong core group of either family or friends or mentors, coaches, or you know, whatever your support system is, is so critical to any success you're going to have in life. If some people don't have that fortunate, you know, mentality from their spouse to support them, what are our terms? What's another way? If you know you have this passion and you know that you can do something impactful, but your spouse is not supporting you, what would you say to that person? Yeah, and that's a very big barrier to overcome, right? Because that's someone that you decide to spend the rest of your life with and they're not supportive in whatever decision you have. So, you know, it's a fine line to make them happy or make yourself happy by discovering and finding a group or network of people that understand you. So it's all about perspective. And I always look at like, if you're at a stage of starting something, find people that have already been through that Talk to them, dialogue, communication, spend time ingesting and asking and probing before you can then venture into it and maybe dabble and like have some small wins, side hustle, gain some confidence, momentum so that your wife or husband understands potential, right? Because you don't want to scare them by leaving your job or making a huge dramatic shift because she won't be happy or he won't be happy and you won't be happy because you're disappointing the person. So I would say slow and say, ease people in, give them confidence to then back you to then go full on. No, that's actually really good advice. And you mentioned earlier, some failures, a lot of failures, right? And I think some people don't want to admit that, but to me, failures are lessons, right? <laughs> I think Einstein had a lot of failures, but he knew he could you know what they say, like 10,000 times. So you kind of figured it out. It's just 10,000 lessons. So can you describe like a couple of failures that were pivotal in your like, growth and kind of like really getting to the next level for you? Yeah, definitely. Hiring wrong people, right? Like at the beginning, I was hiring strictly on skill set. I didn't even know what skills I needed because I was never in this SEO industry. And learning by reading, following, joining communities, going to conferences and absorbing like what it took, what skill set really mattered, what is pivotal, how do you build? How do you structure? How do you take care of clients? Like all these things. I didn't know anything about business ownership, right? Until I was exposed to other people in different situations, but in the same industry as mine. So hiring wrong. So I now hire slow, but fire fast. I hire more on values and good fits with the culture than someone that has amazing skill set, right? I hire people that want to grow involved and be great humans, right? Like the same kind of values that I, I possess, the impact, the giving, the happiness, all that stuff that matters, family. 
so then the other thing is like, how do I make sure the results matter, right? Like I made so many mistakes at the beginning, overpromise, never deliver. I was sales. And then I didn't know that now I have to deliver on what I say I'm going to deliver. So then my reputation was online and I was trying to be as authentic as possible. So just letting people in on the process, right? Like I'm early stages. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm going to learn. But if you're with me, you're going to see, you're going to feel it. And that took time to acknowledge and make sure that I was able to get better results over the years. So just learning and be okay with slow and steady versus rapid growth hacking and fast growth and all that other stuff. I mean, people just want it right away. And then some people feel like, Hey, I've been doing this. I'm working 14 hour days. Why is it not working? And, and you're right. That slow and steady. I, I sometimes fall in that. I have my roller coasters when I first started too. And there's those blinders you have to keep on and just believe, follow the process, surround yourself with mentors, but the slow and steady stuff, what do you do when you kind of feel like I can't do slow and steady, but I, you got to get back to slow and steady. So what are some tips to other people who are probably like, I've been doing slow and steady. It's not working, John. How can I keep staying slow and steady? So these are the things that I've learned to kind of tune out, right? Like, who are you comparing with? You should only be comparing to yourself. So are you slowly progressing? 5% a year growth, 10%, not 200%. Is it even sustainable, right? And why do you need that growth in the first place? So understand what the purpose is on this huge success that you have envisioned. And it's okay to slow and steady because when I read that rich dad, poor dad, it was all about investing and saving and making sure you have passive income and making sure your investments working for you and understanding that it's wisdom. People that have lived it 60, 70, 80 year old in life, they have way more insights than you as a 20, 30, 40 year old. So why wouldn't you retain people that are worth quite a bit in terms of their wealth and you take nuggets from that versus you think because someone your age and you saw a social post or you're reading on Forbes Inc or whatever business, Wall Street Journal, that someone in your age group, 40 years old, worth $20 million or $100 million, it's what you envision. And why can't you be like that? Well, it's like how many Mark Zuckerbergs are there? How many Jeff Bezos are there? There's not many of them and it's okay. They're living their life like that. Are you content with what you have and be grounded that way? So I have very roots of like being humble, right? Understanding what I have and being ultra grateful for the opportunity that I'm now able to do something I love, have a team that support me, serve clients I only want to work with because I can pick and choose who I want to service and have fun throughout the day. Yeah, it, it is tough sometimes when you're growing, you don't feel that you're growing. I think you have to celebrate the small wins and the milestones and on a daily basis, like you can't just look at long-term, like you got to give yourself these little rewards to show like there's progress, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, however you set it. Because if you don't celebrate these things, at least for yourself, you can't rely on all the people to kind of pat yourself on the back. You know, you can get in a dark, scary place. Cause it can get really lonely, right? You know, if you're a startup or you're an entrepreneur and get really lonely. So you mentioned earlier about having mentors again, going back into that people wanting to start an agency or get into the SEO realm. What are some common like 
myths about this profession because I've talked to other people and they're like, oh, you're doing SEO? Like that doesn't work. Or there's so many, like some people hate on SEO companies and other people love it, right? So what are some myths that you can debunk? Okay, so first off, I want to answer the, the question about winning those small wins. In sales, it's all about bucketing those small wins, right? Like I used to just go for lunch and coffee or whatever, or dinner with my girlfriend, wife, or friends. Every time I won, I got a new client, even though it wasn't huge months of commission. It was like that whole habit of making sure that you celebrate the small stuff. Because when these big stuff might never happen, you, at least you got these small wins, right? And I think you and me are similar in sales. We did that. And then regarding the mentors and people when you're starting off, I, I think you mentioned like the question was trying to find people, was it? That I think for me, the exposure of working at Yellow Pages, I was able to find people that lived a life that I wanted to live while being a business owner and because I was exposed to over 5,000 business owners like yourself, I was a sales rep. And these business owners, every meeting I had, I was lucky to have an hour kind of mentor session with these people. And I was probing, asking questions, but nothing related to advertising because Yellow Pages, everyone knows phone book, ad, easy. I was more concerned about asking them why they started a business what made them continue doing what they love? What was really success to them? And everything kind of molded, like they woke up every morning loving what they did, serving a purpose, having you know a family, the values of like adding value to customers and doing something that was passionate that they loved. And then supporting the community. That's what resonated with me more so. And that's why I drove to this industry, right? So with SEO and digital marketing, it's more like, why are you doing what you're doing? Who are you servicing? And figure out, will that make an impact in that person's life, right? The client. And the more you understand that not your product, which is SEO or social media ads or paid ads or funnels or whatever it is, there's a certain demographic, a market share of people that know that it will work. There's a certain market share that don't know. And it's okay that you're a believer of whatever it is that you believe in. There's a segment that don't believe. And it's okay as well to move on from those people because you can't convince them. But convince the people that are already kind of on the fence, right? And focus more heavily on people. And once you have a good solid hundred, a couple hundred clients, they're advocates for you. They're sending you referrals. They're true believers because they trust your system, your process and results. And they're going to be selling on your behalf. Yeah, so what I'm hearing you say, John, is like, you got to have wins, you got to have losses, but as you grow and learn, like really kind of help nurture those advocates for you. Because of course, referrals are the best thing you can get. That's really the essence of demand gen, right? Is you're doing great work, people will refer you out. You, people are going to want to demand to work with you and you really need to nurture and I hate to say leverage, but like leverage these happy clients to say, make introductions for you, right? Be advocates for you out there. So if you're starting out and you're trying to figure out how to scale, it's not just doing outbound outreaches. You know, that's tough. I mean, that's like door to door. That's cold calling, like leverage the happy clients you're having, like you're saying, right, John, and have that help naturally scale and grow your business organically, which is the right way. Cause I think by doing it that way, you're meeting people on their terms, right? You're not 
interrupting them when they're ready. They want to come work with you and say, okay, now I'm ready for this type of product or service because I have this problem. Yeah, inbound leads, right? People that are referral source, word of mouth, like people that are actively seeking your product and service and you're already referred is so far down that buying cycle and they trust you because that person that referred you already trusts them. So someone that is a warm referral is always so close to deciding. It's really, you know, gut check, right? Pricing or something that's, you know, you can figure out. But then you should bet them as well. So early, one of my other problems was I was getting referrals, but I didn't do the same due diligence on the referrals because I thought each person was similar to that client that I had. So when they were referring, I thought they were similar in terms of personality type of, you know, business and mindset, right? But I was completely wrong in that sense. I took on some really bad clients and that demanded a lot. And you learn, right? So you got to keep that consistent vetting throughout the, the life cycle of onboarding of new clients. We actually just updated our ICP recently. And I was talking to my VP of sales and to your point here, like, because you got a referral does not mean they're the right client. Yeah. So how important is it in early stage versus later stage? I think sometimes in early stage, you get it all because you just got to pay the bills. Or do you recommend in early stage? No, stick to focusing on your ICP. That way you're not driving yourself nuts with like a client that's just eating up and, and, and sucking up all your time and energy. So what do you recommend? What path? Every entrepreneur, every business is different, right? Like if you are VC back, it's all about revenue growth and speed versus if you're independent entrepreneur and you have time. So you got to figure out what's best for you. And I think the more you learn about the whole realm of who you're ideal customers are right and avatars and trying to figure out who you want to be known as in which industry vertical and niche and market then it takes time because you're going to make mistakes so you might as well make mistakes early and learn from it and then refine so i would say take everything then pull down to your 10 best type of clients and then put together a personality avatar trait and then figure out like how do you get more of those because without loyal customers paying you because things change in the course of the entire relationship. And it takes time for them to, to nurture and understand if they're really true customers that you want to continue going after or not, even though it's the same kind of profile, right? It's like, are they really good fits? What are some of the triggers? And now that I've been doing it for eight years, I've learned that you don't just take it, right? You need to really vet and gut check and really ask the deep rooted questions and understanding like, what are the the KPIs that they expect, right? Because is it even achievable for what they have allotted, right? And based on your experience and providing them your honest expertise and feedback, give them a different perspective versus what they think they should be getting. Yeah, I think a lot of people have different expectations and it's sometimes it's not their fault, right? It's the knowledge that they have versus like, you know, you are an expert in SEO in your team, but then the client comes in and they hire an SEO company or agency and they just have sometimes unrealistic expectations, but you know, it's not their fault. So like, what are some myths or, or expectations that you're running into? You know, cause the folks who listen to this, like SEO is still really important. It's a tactic that falls under multiple tactics for demand gen, but like, how does someone know the difference between good SEO and bad SEO. So there's a couple of questions in there, right? So I think what's most importantly, let's start with the first one, right? Like how, how do you, can you tell the difference between good and bad SEO? And then the second one would be like, what are myths? 
So good and bad SEO, I would say longevity of the, the agency and the track record and the, the type of clients that they work with. Bet them, right? Find out, reference, check them, check out the case studies, whatever, portfolio. Because there's a lot of tools now, right? In this SEO world, you can actually scrape and figure out like what's going on in terms of how they got to where they are. The challenges for a lot of, you know, business owners and a lot of specialists, digital marketing people, their KPIs are dependent on their budget. And they have to understand like scale, like the size of the corporation, how much is being input in terms of like content or strategy or allotted on what the, the metric is, right? SEO encompasses a lot of factors. And it's not just one segment, like you can't just create content, right? It's everything. What's your dev technical involved, right? Implementation, planning. What's your SEO strategy? What is the keyword mapping involved? What is the link building strategy? What is the reputation involved in all that? Internal links. Like what is the competitive analysis? There's so much going on, like the dynamics and each of these change and you got to factor in all the algo changes that Google's incorporating too. But this is to serve the better purpose, which is better user experience for the customer. So understanding like as much as you want to serve Google search and you want to utilize their medium, their goal is to serve the client with better content or better serving of the websites. And you need to utilize that platform, which is search engine of Google to, to leverage by inputting more content that they want. So pros and cons, like good and bad, you can vet, you can ask industry people, word gets out there which agency is good and who's ethical and what's not hire people that vet their software that vet as well. Right. <laughs> but it's hard because every business owner, they already have preconceived notion of what their expectations are and they've been burnt before because they trusted someone. And that's the challenge in this whole industry because no one knows as much as the agency owner of what is expected because we're in the roots every day. Right. So it's hard to be transparent if they already have preconceived notion of, what their expectations are. So that was the first question. Hopefully that answered it. Um, yeah, it's complex. I think it does like good and bad at SEO. It is tough to people to understand that. It's just like interviewing two heart surgeons. How can you tell from one heart surgeon to another heart surgeon? So you got to vet them. You got to do your due diligence. You got to talk to other people. It's okay to ask for references, you know, look for results. I mean, it comes down to results at the end of the day. All it does, you can have a really great resume and good testimonials, but it really comes down to the results and results for your company might be different from another company. So to your point earlier, like sometimes you can't compare to other businesses. You got to compare to yourself and just focus on growing your own business because again, results are different for other businesses. Even if they're in the same industry, they can be different because there's so many variables like you listed out earlier. There's so many variables in SEO that affect the outcome of your business. And I think that's one of the tough things that a lot of people don't understand. Unfortunately, it is what it is, you know? So hopefully you align yourself with the right client who can appreciate the process and be patient, slow and steady to win the race. But yeah, that's the first one, the good and the bad. And then, you know, we mentioned myths, like what are some things can you debunk about SEO? <laughs> yeah, people always want uh, like, how fast will you uh, get ranked? They, nobody wants to pay what it's worth, the time. And people want, not just ranking, but like results right away. And it's all unpredictable. 
because as much as you get keyword search volume and you get semantic keywords and variations and you're starting to rank, is it actually going to drive that results in calls, phone call sales, revenue, profit, right? We don't know. There's so many variables, but our whole objective is to do things the right way, to grow organic traffic, to generate more, build your authority and trust and get more traction to your site, right? And once you do all that, based on my experience and all the hundreds of clients that I work with in these campaigns, it's all about you'll feel and notice that everything we're doing will generate more revenue and profit. The challenge is, you know, time, because if you're a hyper-competitive marketplace, what's your budget and what has your competitors invested, right? How long have they been doing it and what are they ranking for and how do your expectations, even though you feel you're investing a lot, they have a way larger budget and they've invested longer. So, you know, your expectations are completely out of whack in reality. So you have to be straightforward and honest right at the beginning, fully transparent. This is what we've discovered. This is how long they've done it. They've been working with different agencies and this is what the outcome is. It took them this many years to get there. And this is what I feel it would take to get you to where you want to be, right? So just being as transparent as possible. Yeah, setting expectations is critical. But some people who hear you say that, like, you know what? Maybe it's not even worth it. These guys have been doing it for like 10 years and they have a huge budget. You know, what do you say to that business who maybe have a smaller budget? How critical, how important is it for them to consider SEO? SEO, if you're planning on being in business for 5, 10, 20 years, longevity, I would say it's probably the most important because digital asset of that website is your bread and butter. It's like the telephone number or a storefront of your business. It's the first thing people see. And if it's not generating you leads or it's not working for you 24-7, then you're not utilizing the website for the purpose, right? I feel a lot of people give up because they used a poor agency before. They undervalued and underbudgeted. They, like you mentioned, competitive, right? Like, why should I even start? if I know it's gonna take 10 years. Well, if you think about it, the trends, the keywords, there's always gaps. Even if you really refine the niche, the vertical, the different keywords, the topics, there's opportunities. And this is what a good SEO company does. They discover opportunities to generate you leads and revenue and sales so that you will eventually rank. That may take you a lot longer, like the broad term, high volume, keywords to dominate that niche, but there's quick wins so that it will support that journey of doing SEO, right? Like the whole premise for me is lifetime value of a customer, right? How do you retain them? And I keep them recurring because they, they know it's important. And when I start showing them good leads volume, you know, the inflow of revenue and profit and good loyal customer ready by customers of the ideal avatar, then they know that we're on the right page. And it gets amplified as the years progress, because then we can go after more heavy loaded volume key ter- keyword terms because the authority builds upon that. I mean, it, for folks listening to you and the passion that you have, John, right? Like that comes from experience and failures that you learn, things that are working, aren't working. So you, you're making the outcomes for your clients better and better every time, every day. Yes. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you face, you know, growing your business? 
<laughs> I think the biggest challenge a lot of people don't see on the surface is the internal struggles and battles because everyone in the team, and I know you have a 20 plus agency, same, like we have a lot of staff, it's more about their allotment of time. Everyone has projects, everyone has clients that they have to deal with, right? But it's the internal time and allotting it, like we use Asana, you know, people can use whatever they want, right? And in terms of the software stack, and it's really, how do you budget the time for the clients so that they feel momentum and growth and continue the growth so that they're constantly learning, adapting and changing and becoming more efficient, more streamlined, less bottlenecks, becoming better at collaborating, getting, understanding the KPIs, understanding what clients want. That's the battle, like that internal battle, more so the external, because, you know, if you have a system and you have a good process, then it's good. But there's always things that you can improve on. And I feel my biggest challenge right now is the internal because I've never had a team, right? Like leadership skills is a new skill set that you have to learn and evolve and adapt and grow. Just like sales, it didn't happen in my first job. It took me 10 years to feel like I knew how to sell. So people are like, okay, great. I'm running through the same challenges, John. So can you kind of share with us, what are some processes and tech stack that you use to give some insight on like how, how to, to get more time back or manage the time? Yeah. So I try to hold my team accountable and I want them to make mistakes and learn. So I try to be as hands-off as possible today because I'm equipping my team with any tool and any access and any resource to better their skill so that they could perform at their peak. So the more you move away from the daily activities and you focus on embodying and empowering your team members, then you feel like you can go away for six months or a year and have this company continue doing what it's doing. That's my goal of running a business that supports my lifestyle. It all dependent on what you want out of your agency, your business. But a lot of digital marketers feel like they're spending a lot of time in the business in all these facets, right? The, the quicker they realize what they want out of their business, figure out what you need to put in place to equip your team. So I always tell my sales rep, evaluate all CRMs, any funnel that you need, any scripts for the funnels, figure out anything, right? And propose it to me. And if you feel this is going to help you, let's try it. Give it a couple months, evaluate and tell me how it's been working. The more you do that and you get them to do the work, then they own it. They're spending more time doing research. They spend more time owning the whole process and they're wanting to not disappoint you, right? So they have a sense of ownership. And I'm learning as well. Just trying to do more always by just empowering my team. And I like that. I mean, we hear these advice all the time and like, it's tough sometimes as an owner to delegate, right? But you got to delegate just like kids. You got to let them scrape their knee and then hopefully they don't do that again. And they do it again. Like, you know, then eventually some people need to scrape their knee twice, <laughs> but it's still your company. It's still your brand, right? Like you don't want it to fail. You don't want to have the wrong impression out there. So I think a lot of people have a tough time delegating, just letting people develop. Can you dive a little deeper there? Like if, if someone's like, 
I don't know if I can trust my team to just do this because, you know, of course, everything's rainbows and sunshine if you can do that. But it's not as easy as it sounds to just delegate and let people just figure it out. Yes. I think that's a great question because I think there was a, a stage in your business journey, right? The entrepreneurial journey where you need to put people in place that you know can do a better job than you can because they have been skilled at it, working on it for so many years, right? So once you learn that and then you hold them responsible and give me an update of what you've been doing, like just touch points, right? Because mentally as a business owner and you're starting off and you know, you're trying to grow this agency, you want to do everything and you feel you can do better than everyone else. Once you start letting go and you start acknowledging that your team members already trust you first off to be employed there. They know your vision. They have similar values as you. Now you need to just empower them to do their thing, right? And you need to understand they got to grow as well, which means they got to make mistakes. And so as long as the mistakes are not detrimental to your brand, yes, you can lose clients. Yes, there's going to be mistakes in communication, the way they structured the, the email and they said something that you didn't disapprove of. But is it going to make or break your company. If it makes or break your client, yes, you're going to win some. Yes, you're going to lose some. Yes, you're going to live with the outcome because you trust your team. And the, the hardest thing is to let your team evolve where I fully support my team, whatever decision they have versus the new clients within six months. If they don't like how my team operates, we can find someone that will like our company. And the more you support your team and they feel that you got their back, they're going to work harder than ever for you. And that's my mentality. I take care of my people, which is my family, the, the, the company, right? And my clients have been loyal to me. So I take care of my loyal customers. The ones that are newer, I know they're going to come and go, right? Because they don't know if this is right for them or not. And that's only time. Yes, there's going to be KPI metrics. Yes, there's deliverables. Yes, there's a lot of customer service. Yes, a lot of accountability. But you don't even know what their benchmark is. What, what's going to you know, trigger them to leave or love you, right? It's too early to say. So now that I've been in it for eight years, I have clients been with me for eight years or five years or six years, I know the profile, the type of clients I want. And that took time to uncover that. And therefore, those first couple of years are very, very challenging for every relationship. Just like if you're dating, right? You don't really know the person until you really know them, if you know what I mean. 100%. No, this is really great insight. I kind of preach the same thing. You know, if you take care of your people, they feel safe and supported and you give them the tools they need to grow, like, you know, then let them run with it. And, but of course, like you learn from your mistakes. We all do. We're all human. At the end of the day, we're human too. It's okay to make mistakes, it just can't be too often because then maybe they're just not a good fit to the culture. Same thing with clients, you know, they're not a good fit. There's alignment. Even if you remove the process and systems, right? It goes back to people again. It's the whole premise of, of this podcast. As you're speaking this whole time, it's like we're constantly hearing people and clients that you bring in are people too. It's not just business. I kind of want to segue a little bit to the community because I think community is, is a big part, you know, and how businesses involvement in the community. I think we're seeing is almost 
table stakes. People are expecting brands to be involved and give back one way or another to their community. So like, how are you guys connected with your community? Yeah, like it's so important, right? Take care of your people, take care of your brand recognition and support what you believe in. So each company has their own initiatives. What do they stand for? My thing is my roots. I was an immigrant from Vietnam. My parents came here and I wanted to support the new immigrants coming to Canada. So we have this backpack program, giving them, equipping people with, you know, everything backpack full with school supplies, giving them a couple hundred every year, right? Then it was more like supporting the business community by doing free SEO for small businesses for a couple of years, like all these things to really just support the people, what you truly believe in, but really mean it, right? And do it. So people can tell if you're phony or you actually mean it. And the more you're just being yourself and people either like it or not, and people are judgmental on every facet, but the more vulnerable you are, the more authentic, the more real people see you and it's consistency, they're either going to like you or not. And hopefully it hits a nerve in them that says, you know, this company or this brand really stands for something. And I now want to support them. That's amazing. We kind of have similar backstories as well as an immigrant myself coming in. And the way we're trying to pay for it is we're creating some scholarships to help exactly. kids. Cause I remember the local church supported me when I was in school and I got some money to, to pay for my books and made it huge impact in my life for the opportunity I had for education. So, you know, we want to pay it forward and give back to the community. So all this stuff that you're doing is amazing. Cause I think people, when your services are equal, right? If, if you're like an SEO company, another one, another one, people want to do business with businesses and people that they align themselves with. So like if you're doing things to connect with the community, that's going to help you win. You know, you got to stand out and organically you grow, I think, professionally and personally, but you also grow your business because of the stuff you're doing in the community. So we have a couple of minutes here. I kind of flew by here, our conversation, John. So I have a couple of questions left. If there was one thing that people should do to have an impact in their lives professionally, what would be that advice? Professionally, I would say step outside your comfort zone, whatever it may be, and find out people that you want to be like, right? maybe five years ahead of you, 10 years, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ahead of you, right? And seek advice. That'd be coaches, mentors, communities, speakers, conferences. Just go out and reach out to them. The people at the top are probably the most genuine people that you can imagine. They're the people that understand what it took to get where they are. And they don't mind paying it forward. So my would be like, just go out there and outreach, go out there, make that initial phone call, email, introduction, let them in on where you're at, why you are seeking something out and what it means to you. If you can have a quick call with them, whatever it is, but don't be afraid because what's the worst that can happen. You didn't do it. And they say, no, your life hasn't changed one bit, but if they did say yes. You're so much further ahead. Right on. I agree hundred percent asking or just connecting with people. You just never know what that relationship could turn into. Cause if you're hesitant to ask, yeah, you're right. It's like not taking a swing. You just don't know. <laughs> Any sport athlete, right? Like Michael <laughs> Jordan, how many misses, but how many game winners has he gotten? 
right? He took the most misses ever, right? But no <laughs> one talks about that. Yeah, I remember just, you know, when I was getting guests on my podcast and sometimes like, oh, we're kind of new. I don't think this person would want to do it. But I, I sent a, a message to, to one of the folks I admire who's very really popular globally and he joined. So I was like, wow. So you just never know unless you ask. Well, that's really great advice, John. So last thing, you know, I mean, you're a busy guy. So what are you working on right now? Let people know kind of what's going on. Yeah, working on a couple of big projects. We're working on a community, creating an online digital community. It's called the Business Sphere. And it's really to support lower tier, not full service SEO campaigns, but people that kind of want to do it themselves or learn. So there's going to be a lot of videos, a lot of, you know, communication amongst peers. And it's going to be fun, right? What I'm trying to do is give so that business owners have a place, a community that they feel open to share anything, right? And different stages of their business. So I'm working on that. It's been in the works for six months. I'm working on a book that has also been in the works for a couple months. And also YouTube content creation. So that's something new that I've never really ventured in, but I now have a videographer, I have a full production team, I have a whole YouTube team of scripts and editing and planning and strategy. And you got to commit, right? So I built a team, I got them to educate, learn, grow with some expertise, and then have fun along that journey. So that's what I'm doing, working on right now. Wow. It's like, when do you have time to rest? But sometimes that's the difference between winning and losing. I think it's like going all in. So good luck with everything. That's amazing stuff. And I definitely look forward to having you back on again, John. I really appreciate your time today. And, and if people want to connect with you and find you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, thanks a lot, Tom, for having me. I really appreciate and grateful for having this opportunity. <laughs> best way is check out my website. It's localseosearch.ca based in Toronto, Canada. We also own the .com. But honestly, like, your listeners, Tom's great. Like you've done a great job with this podcast. Keep doing it because it sounds like you're having fun and whatever you have fun doing, people can tell. And that's what I always say, own what you do, have fun along the way and grow with people that resonate in alignment with your values. All right, guys, go out there, be courageous and make it happen. Thank you. If you have any questions and topics you'd like us to cover, please email me at podcast at or message me on LinkedIn.